This is the Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by HSI. This episode was recorded July 12th, 2021. My name is Jill James, HSI's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Jennifer Riley, President and COO of Safety Partners. Jennifer is joining us today from the greater Boston area. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we're we're uh, recording this um pretty early for our producer's time zone. <laughs> but <laughs> here we are. Here we are. So, um Jen, really excited to hear about about your journey in safety and how you how you've gotten to be the president and CEO of uh, of Safety Partners, but I know you didn't jump in right there. So, what's right. yeah, what's your journey to health and safety? Yeah, so, you know, it's I think like many safety professionals, it's never a straight path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always really loved science and knew that I wanted to do something in science. And out of undergrad, I studied biology and um, was really considering and more aggressively, I guess, pursuing a clinical role. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help people, talk with people, have a lot of interaction and But I did find myself after graduation in a research lab, in an academic research lab, and and that was sort of a mixed experience for me. It's, I think, you know, when you're first starting out in your career path, it's always good to learn what you really enjoy doing and and learn those tasks and things that you don't necessarily care for. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was pretty pivotal and thinking, I'm not sure that research is really for me, but I loved the science piece of it. How long Um, did you do that? Uh, just for two years in the academic setting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I decided to take a step into industry and started as a researcher in um, a small startup. So about 20 people uh, and just a very different experience. I had great mentorship. I had great colleagues and, and it was an opportunity at a startup to wear many different hats. So you know, one of those hats was the uh, on-site biosafety officer, mm-hmm. um, as well as almost doing some lab management, um, operational type of responsibilities, and then doing the research. And that just, that role really uh, resonated with me. Uh, and I felt like I was really hitting my stride. I liked doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved being connected to the science and And so I took a couple of, you know, I worked at a couple of other companies after that in similar roles, but, um, the last company I worked for before joining safety partners, I was really indoctrinated into the safety, um, again, another startup really small at the time. And we needed someone to help manage the lab operationally, help get the permits and all the the safety program up and running, as well as do some of the research. Because again, small startup, you're doing a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And and it was really getting into that safety um, piece and learning really on the job, how much I loved it, how much I loved making, um, enabling the science, making uh, things run more efficiently. And just felt like, hmm, this is really where I want to be. And and there was a point that as we were growing pretty aggressively that I had to make a decision, do I want to continue doing research um, or do I want to, you know, focus on the safety and the lab management and the operations? 
Mm-hmm. So it was a an easy answer for me. So I was really lucky. Um, and I said, I, I definitely want the, I guess, middle management role track mm-hmm. at that point. And so uh, when you're, when you're making that decision in your head, and like you said, like you said, you were really kind of finding your stride in that piece of it. What, what was it about it? And and then, you know, when you're developing yourself, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're developing yourself, but when you're finding who you are as a manager and, de- you know, kind of defining that for yourself, did you have mentors along the way that you were that were advising and guiding you on that? Or how did you develop yourself into that management role? Because that's a thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. And I, I did. I had some great colleagues. Um but I'd have to say it wasn't till I would say really in my current role that I have realized the value of having your own, you know, everyone says your own personal advisory board mm-hmm. or your own group of colleagues and um, that you can be truly authentic with and put yourself out there and ask for advice and ask for help. Mm-hmm. So I had a few of you know, a few of those individuals along the way Mm -hmm. that I would bounce ideas off of, or, um, especially just, you know, managing other people in the lab and it wasn't a direct line management, but it was, you know, how do you get them to follow the safety procedures and, Mm -hmm. you know, that influence without authority. And, um, so I definitely would bounce things off of, you know, fellow colleagues that I respected and, uh, and, and finding my own type of mentorship in those roles. And, you know, what do you think of this? This is what I'm thinking of saying. This is what I'm thinking of doing, you know, does this, you know, feeling comfortable to do that, I think is really valuable. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. What, what, um, what happened next? You know, you had, you'd been doing, it sounds like you were kind of, you like startups and you were kind of, um, honing your, honing your craft in operations and management and kind of leaving that research piece behind a little bit. Does, yeah. Was that hard to do? You know, it was, it was hard in some sense because, I think it's always scary to make a decision and wonder, you know, am I reaching a, a point of no return? Yeah. Like if I make this decision and I decide I don't really like this path, can I go back? And is, you know, the technology in the lab going to change mm-hmm. so much? Or am I going to forget how to do what I was doing? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. kind of natural questions. So yeah. I definitely went through that in my head. But at the time I was also, um, I had two small children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I got married and was raising my family and wanted, um, more work-life balance. I was, you know, going in, um, to work on the weekends a fair amount. Mm-hmm. So it just, uh, it, it just seemed like a natural progression that helped make that decision. Sure. Um, so, then I, I had the good fortune of, um, I had, you know, at this point I was part-time and I was going to take the summer off mm-hmm. and, uh, my, in my current role, the, the current, uh, you know, the, the founder and CEO of safety partners, you know, she her, caught wind that I was taking the summer off. And so I, I should back up and say, I had met, um, met her, when I was working at the first industry role that I had and it was, she was just starting safety partners. Um, yeah. Or, so let's, or, 
Yeah, let's talk about if you if you don't mind your um you know so people can like I'm sure they can look up your your company name but what mm-hmm. is Safety Partners and yeah let's talk about that yeah Safety Partners is a professional services firm that we go in when there's hazardous materials hazardous processes hazardous equipment and we want to wrap a workplace safety program around those hazards okay. so we really cut our teeth in you know in a consulting role we call ourselves consulting safety officers but essentially we're EHS managers on a consulting basis mm-hmm. um, and so we're going in there working with companies that um, have this need and maybe they um, don't have the need for a full-time role so we can go in on a part-time basis and, and make sure that safety is happening. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the, the more obvious, do you have the right permits in place and the right written materials and training, mm-hmm. um, and then developing from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we have a repertoire of, uh, about 200 plus clients that we serve each month, uh, oh. with our 65 employees. Wow. Wow. Wonderful. And so you met the founder when mm-hmm. she was starting up the, you, you had worked together somewhere else. So that, I mean, this is part of your progression in your history. Mm-hmm. So interesting to hear this part. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was really great because, um, she would ping me every once in a while and say, are you ready to, you know, to join? And, and to me, I was very risk averse and I felt like mm-hmm. here's this small consulting company, uh, is this going to be a steady income for me? Yeah. I'm just, you know, feeling nervous about making that commitment. Um, but hmm. clearly recognizing that somewhere down in my future, I could see myself working at safety partners because I know that I'm really starting to enjoy that work. So that, you know, I checked the box of, am I, am I going to like that career pivot? Yeah. Um, but it was more about stability and, for some, you know, in my mind, working at a, a startup was was less risky than working at this small consulting firm, um, which people would probably disagree. Well, right. Um, I mean, but that's you know, also that's also part of our profession, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we are just by nature of the work that we do, risk averse. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in like a startup and a consulting firm and you really have to weigh in your mind. Right. Yeah. what Which one's less risky? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. So, so, you know, I went through that and, um, and so kept, just kept in touch over the years. And as I had progressed at other positions um, until I found myself at, again, this inflection point of, I think I'm going to, you know, work part time take the summer off, spend yeah. some time with the family and then decide in the fall, you know, what was next. And, and so at that point, you know, a little birdie whispered in her ear and she called me and said, well, I have this contract. It's one day a week. And would you like to come on board? And, hmm. and then I thought, hmm, one day a week, that sounds, sounds pretty good. Not I, as risky. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could still have lots of fun summertime. Yeah. Um, and then work one day a week. And, and I loved it. I loved the, the company I was assigned to work and support. Um, 
I really just loved the work. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that looking at what they need and how could I enable them to do it safely Mm -hmm. and put processes in place. And I think that's that operational piece. It's, you know, you're building a safety program. And so to me, I found a lot of um, job satisfaction in that and and getting them to a place where I, I felt as though they could work efficiently, partly because they had good procedures in place um, to do things safely and to enable the science that they were getting done. And this has been primarily, and and when you were first starting out with, with this, it's primarily in lab settings. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's always been in lab Mm -hmm. settings. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I, you know, through safety partners, um, we really strive to grow the business organically mm-hmm. and, you know, promote from within. And I've had a lot of great opportunities to continue to take more responsibilities as I learned more of the business side of things, um, as well as the safety aspects. There's, you know, regulations are always changing. Um, so it's definitely a very dynamic environment. And so, I'm now happy to say that I've, uh, through the years, again, taking uh, increased responsibilities and in my role now, I've been here 14 years and, Mm. you know, don't look back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and there's, there's something pretty unique about where you're at right now. So do you want to share that with the audience? (laughs) Um, in terms tell, tell me a little more yeah right well you live it every day so maybe it doesn't seem as unique to you, you but when i heard that you are at a woman founded woman owned business um, yes. in safety in stem mm-hmm. i'm like oh, wow i have to talk to this person mm-hmm. so tell us right. what that's like yeah that's really amazing um because again for the last 14 years, I've had the great support system of a woman-owned and woman-run company, um, just working in the field, supporting STEM. So it just gives you a a very different view when you're talking with colleagues who are struggling um, with maybe inequity in the workplace. And Mm -hmm. um, here's, I have this opportunity to live it every day. And it, Mm -hmm. and I do feel incredibly lucky um, that it's, you know, it's been acceptable to say that it's, you know, it's been acceptable to say, you know, I have to go pick, I have to be the mom. Um, Whereas that isn't always necessarily accepted in, in all work environments. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that, you know, that work-life balance has definitely been a real positive, uh, positive influence. And, and so as we look to recruit and, you know, hire more great consultants, I'm always looking for that, uh, you know, that younger demographic, I guess, that, you know, they're looking to, to, to make their next career pivot. And I want to show them how great it is to work for, you know, this company. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, in addition to work-life balance, um, in in what you've identified with being a, a woman-owned company, what other gifts do you think that has brought? So, you know, it's it's also just um, a very collaborative collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I find that 
there isn't the competition that maybe you would imagine. Um, so part mm-hmm. of that just mm-hmm. collegial environment, everyone's trying to learn and, and kind of pull everyone else up along the way. Yeah. Uh, so I find that that's been pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. In, in a really good way. So, uh, as you, you know, because of what it is that you all do and because you're woman owned, you have the ability to maybe really promote um, women in STEM. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how that works in your company? And do you do things outside um, outside of safety partners um, to to help uh, women um, realize this career path? Yes. Yes. So. Uh, last, it's actually been about a year now. Uh, last July, I joined the board of West. So West is Women in the Enterprise of Science and Technology. Mm. So it's a learning organization supporting women um, early in their careers, you know, early to mid-level careers. Uh, and so, you know, by participating in that board, it's all about networking. It's about what types of um, seminars and webinars and tools can we add to the toolbox of these young women professionals uh, to help them in science and technology careers. So that's been really amazing to see, um, you know, there's various mentorship roles and see someone go from coming to these networking events, being pretty shy mm-hmm. and how they kind of turn on their their extroversion and and learn how to network better and see them get the next role that they're looking for or uh, learn how to advocate for themselves um, or in, in a better way, you know, self-advocation in the workplace. And so that you know, for me personally, has been um, a really exciting role. You know, you had asked earlier about, you know, along the way, as I've taken these pivots and, you know, yeah. did I have mentors? And and I truly wish I, when I was at that point in my career, was involved with Westmore. So yeah. um, the ability to increase our membership with a younger demographic, learn, you know, just starting out in their career is really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I um we'll have to if it's appropriate, Jen, let's let's include a link to West in the show mm-hmm. notes so that people can find it if they want to. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, tell us tell us I mean, I I West is an organization I've not heard of before. Mm-hmm. So tell us um more about, you know, how did it how did it get going and um who is it for? Is it for people who are just new in their careers or is it all ages or how does it work? Yeah. So it is for, I mean, it is for all ages, but, um, it's really meant to be, uh, a learning organization. So what are the, the various, uh, tools and things that people need to know and, and just a safe place, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say for, you know, women, but it's it's not just exclusively women, but early career stage um, to learn, you know, learn those um, those characteristics, I guess, that are going to help them be successful. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, again, that we provide a lot of um, programming that's focused on early professionals in STEM environments, but also, you know, uh, tenured professionals that are looking for a pivot. They're, they're mm-hmm. looking to stay within science, but, 
you know, take a different role or they're, you know, between opportunities mm-hmm. and, and how we can support that process as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, or I suppose, uh, you know, many of us have, um, a difficult time or not knowing how to ask for a wage increase or negotiate mm-hmm. a salary, mm-hmm. um, all, that kind of stuff. Or is that some of the things that Wes helps people with as well? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. you know, a, a great, um, it's that career advice piece, Yeah, <laughs> you know, how can you, um, take the next step in career advancement or look at, you know, alternative career options, yeah. um, and build your leadership skills. So that really that skill development is, is a large piece and how you can do that in a networking setting, um, just empowering women to really reach their full potential. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. Sounds like an amazing organization. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I know you have some feelings about, um, that a career isn't just a job. Do you want to, do you want to talk about what that is, what that means to you? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we all are spend so much time at work and why have it be just a job, as you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just really enjoying what you do and, and having that positive feedback loop of that you're really making an impact. And um, I think part of sa- working in safety, you know, everyone will say, of course, you want people to be safe and you want people to follow the rules. And, and that's, that's part of it. But it's also, as we look at our client base, you know, they're this innovative group of incredibly smart scientists who are taking these ideas and, you know, making the next COVID vaccine and, you know, the next drug for Alzheimer's. And so just to really be part of that, um, that enabling science is, is very gratifying. So, you know, definitely safety partners and and it, it really in the safety industry, it, it's supporting, it's a customer service type of role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've found that even though I'm not doing the science physically, uh, I'm really enjoying the, the positive outcomes of seeing these companies succeed and how that makes it feel much more like a career. Mm-hmm. And you're taking the next steps versus yeah. just a job that you, you know, clock in at every day. Yeah. And the accomplishment that you can see um, your 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 customers and clients mm-hmm. um, succeed too. you know that you had a hand in that. Mm, exactly. It, it's it's, uh, you know, a, a small part, but it takes a lot of different um, support mechanisms to make that happen. So, uh, of course, I can't take credit for that in that um but just you're a piece of it knowing it's a piece of it exactly yeah right right yeah yeah Yeah, i I know you've you've also had mentioned to me when we spoke earlier about um you framed safety as um the stepchild yeah 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 Yeah, you want to talk more about what that means well you know the thing i love about this this podcast and talking about the accidental safety pro is you know, the, the stereotype of the safety officer that comes into the lab with their lab coat glasses and clipboard Mm -hmm. and, you know, the safety cop mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think everyone, you know, they have a, just a somewhat negative view of safety. And so when you think about, 
you know, transitioning into a career in safety, right from the get-go, you have maybe this visceral response of, I don't want to be the person that nobody wants to see when they walk in the lab. Right. You know, I, I, I want, you know, more of the social aspect of it. And um, so that's why I, I tend to call it the, the stepchild. Yeah. Um because again, they're sort of the forgotten and also the forgotten profession that uh, in the number of people that we interview, so many of them say, geez, I never thought of this as a career <laughs> or, you know, they're, they're looking, they've mm -hmm. got, you know, they've have ex advanced degrees and they're deciding to step away from actually doing the research, but how can I be involved with the science and be part of it? And they say, I never thought about doing safety. Yeah. Um, but it's their background is a perfect way to, you know, for us, at least it's a sweet spot of someone who's worked at the bench, understands the, the operational workings of the laboratory mm -hmm. and how they can apply safety to that. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely want to um, think about, you know, that mind shift of you're not the stepchild. It's actually a really rewarding career that you mm -hmm. can get a lot of career advancement and satisfaction. Yeah. And, you know, I think that as, um, as health and safety professionals, we can get stuck in those personas, or maybe we make assumptions that you have to be that persona to be that person. You know, like you had mentioned safety cop, um, that's definitely a persona that's associated with our career path by many people that are observing from the outside. Um, and then, and then it also can be a place where sometimes some of us get stuck in that, you know, I often talk with, um, our team at HSI about the different personas that we may meet along the way when we're talking with health and safety professionals and safety cop is one of those personas I talk about. And, you know, some people are kind of stuck in being that I've, you know, I've been personally the literal safety cup because I worked for OSHA. So I mm. like had the badge and everything that went with it, you know, but you know, in, in a, in a, in a non um, enforcement role, that can be a person who's only sees things in shades of black or white and no shade of business gray. And sometimes that's limiting to your career. You know, if you're stuck in that, Right. Um, you know, and then and then there there are others, you know, I talk about <laughs> I talk about people who are really um, uh, I frame it as an Anton ego. <laughs> Do you remember from the Pixar show? <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> uh, well, uh, in Pixar did a did did this um, movie called Ratatouille and mm -hmm. Anton ego was the name of a character who was a restaurant critic oh and, right okay yeah and yeah. and you know no one could do anything right for anton mm -hmm. you know like it, you know everyone was like beneath beneath anton and mm -hmm. you just had to excel to this highest and highest levels and i think sometimes in pieces of our careers um you know we have we have people like that in our careers too or maybe some of us have been that person mm -hmm. where you know like i know more than everybody else right can't be taught anything, you know, and, and then I think there's also a persona where we've been drowning in our careers before, and there's so many things coming at us and we just need a lifeline and help. Mm. 
And um, I've, I know I've spoken with other professionals, you know, and kind of talked about some of these personas. I had I had one person actually from a from a university say, I've been all those people in my career. Mm, okay. And I'm like, which one are you right now? And, he, you know, he identified <laughs> one and I'm like, and I'm this one, but yeah. I've been this one. And I think we kind of move around as we grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but gr- I think growing is the key um, there. You know, like you don't want to pigeonhole yourself in um, one persona. <laughs> Well, it also feels the confidence in the role as well that you yeah. don't have to justify your your existence in this role that it's it's a valuable role and and you don't have to constantly feel like you're justifying the value yeah um, and and so I think with time and tenure you have that confidence yep. and um, you know to, to I don't know pivot with how you make conversation with people that you need to influence their behavior and their safety behavior Mm -hmm. and you try different techniques. And Mm -hmm. so there's that professional growth as well of how you have those, those tricky conversations and those soft skills that you, you know, that you turn on and turn off and pivot around. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Those soft skills are so important. Are, is, is learning those skills something that, that organically happen for you or are there um, specific places that you went authors that you followed, Mm. you know, the way that you've learned things? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I I would say it's a little bit of both Mm -hmm. Um, because when, you know, when I think about as we're um, considering different people for the role and really just when I think about myself, it's, it's the attitude versus the aptitude and Mm -hmm. someone can learn all the technical things you can, you know, be shown the regulations or, you know, shown the technical pieces of how to do something. Um, Mm -hmm. as long as you have, you know, the aptitude to learn, Mm -hmm. but it's the attitude and how you approach it. And so I think by nature, you know, it's part of just how you approach things, but you always have to get better at it. And so it's, I had the benefit of having uh, an executive coach, um, a few years ago, and that was really Mm. incredibly valuable to, to help frame, you know, how you approach things, how you develop your leadership skills. Um, also just attending various seminars and webinars on developing soft skills, I think are really important because it's important to see just the other, other viewpoints, um, to help frame how you're going to consider that situation. So I think some of it is learned. I think if you, you know, ever meet someone who has really poor soft skills, it's, it's hard to imagine them totally changing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it's obvious too. Yeah. It's uh-huh. <laughs> that this is how they are wired and we're really not going to change that. Um, but I think there's enhancements that you can make yeah. and, um, definitely a learning curve aspect of the soft skills piece. But mm-hmm. in this, in the safety profession, I feel like that's the most important, like successful trait is, is how mm-hmm. you can go in and have that that tricky conversation and really get buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that it's, um, I don't know that that's a skill that you are like, Ooh, done and dusted. I've got that nail. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a progression, you mm-hmm. know, like you keep learning something new about yourself or mm-hmm. a new way to, um, connect with people. 
And I'm sure that's part of the the safety personas that you were alluding Uh to. It's as you learn more about yourself, you learn how you can connect with people in a different way to be more successful in just that influence and, and that it doesn't have to be adversarial in the safety role. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you had mentioned that you had an executive coach. Uh That's, that's a unique, maybe unique for people who are listening right now, like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, Uh can I do that? Can we do that? What's, what's that like? And how did you, um, how did you find that for yourself? So as I was stepping into more responsibilities at safety partners, um, and I had, you know, been promoted to COO, if you know, I recognized that sometimes, uh, sometimes in a, in a work setting, people are prescribed a uh, executive coach as a punishment. Like they're not doing something right. <laughs> right and they, like, we got to need you. a coach because yeah. we need to fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was lucky to fall into a different category and that, mm-hmm. you know, just in- incredibly supportive environment. And how can we uh, help, you know, make me more successful in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so outside of just, colleagues that I have that I, you know, go to for various, uh, you know, personal advisory board type of questions. Um, I really wanted just professional help. Mm -hmm. So I, I got a list of a few names and interviewed a few people and just, you know, who, who am I going to click with? And, Mm -hmm. um, so just going down that path, I felt incredibly lucky Mm -hmm. because it just really, uh, helped hone a lot of different skills and, and make me more aware of my behavior mm-hmm. and that self-awareness uh, piece. So, yeah, so that, that was a six to nine month engagement and um, kind of very goal driven. And uh, it also involved, uh, you know, you have to definitely feel as though you're okay in your own skin. It's a, a 360 process of mm-hmm. going and the coach was interviewing, um, my colleagues that I work with and supervise. So, wow. you know, you have to be Vulnerable. okay with what wow. you're going to hear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so not everybody is gonna, you know, I don't know, be your biggest fan. And so yeah, you can't that, be loved by everyone. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. so <laughs> definitely humbling, um, but incredibly valuable. So, you know, I think that coaching aspect comes in many different forms and, um, but being able to seek out a coach and, and have that relationship is, was really valuable and getting to the next level for me. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. What a great opportunity and good on you for, um, for seeking that out for yourself. Yeah, no. Yeah. Thank you. It's, yeah. It's, it was fun. It's so important to think about how we show up, you know, mm-hmm. how we show up for ourselves every day, but how we show up for others. Right. right. And it's, you know, it's that kind of coaching um, and, uh, you know, professional development wherever you can find it. And yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes it's with your, with your own um, personal advisory group, you know, that you find or with mentors or um, through specific authors or books. Mm. Um, Yeah. I know I've done a combination of all. (laughs) Well, and it makes a lot of sense. You, you know, you're, if you're a professional, you know, in professional sports, there's a coach, there's someone Uh helping you be your best. So, Mm. you know, why not apply that to being the best leader that you can be or the best safety professional that you could be um, and sort of getting that guidance. Right. Right. You know, you had, you had mentioned a while ago that you were, um, you know, when you were sort of like 
starting to shape your career path and which direction you are going to go. You were talking about how you thrive on making systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk more about, about that? You know, particularly maybe for our listeners who might be starting out or maybe are reimagining their career. Um, You know, what were you noticing in yourself that made you go, Hey, this is the direct, like, this is what feels right to me, you mm. know, particularly around systems. Cause so much of what this profession is people, like we just talked about in relationships, but then there's a system piece. So I think it's partly in, you know, in my professional world, I wish I could say the same is true in my personal life, but I <laughs> always wanted to be incredibly organized. Mm-hmm. So that organizational piece is something that is always, you know, come through in my professional life. Mm-hmm. So I remember work, you know, working in the lab and you have these particular consumable pieces of, you know, these little plastic pipette tips is what they're called. And mm-hmm. you use it to move liquid um, in different experiments. And so everyone in the lab had their own choice of what was their favorite, I guess. So here we were a small company trying to be budget conscious, but everybody was ordering their own different type of brand of these, you know, particular consumable products. Mm -hmm. And so I just looked at that and said, that's so inefficient. Not Mm -hmm. only are we getting cases and cases, we don't have room to store it. It's, it's just not cost effective. And to me, like it was just a natural, um, something very natural to say, how can we make this more efficient? How, and, and so that really spoke to me so that, um, making efficiencies, I guess, um, operationally, you know, then putting that in place and realizing, oh, see, now everybody's happier. We're spending less time doing, you know, mundane ordering. Mm -hmm. Um, we can get the science done that we want to do. And so for me, that was the positive feedback loop of realizing I really like to do this. Like that was a piece that um, resonated with me. And and then you look at the bigger picture of, oh, it's how you make the lab operationally efficient. And so that operations piece and putting those systems in place, you know, was, I guess, where I was finding my stride and, and realizing I wanted to do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you resolve the pipette piece? Did you, did you determine there was a certain number that was going to be the threshold that you'd order? Or did you migrate everybody to one kind? It was migrating to one kind. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't easy, but it's, you I'm know, sure it wasn't. <laughs> but I, I guess the benefit of, um, the startup environment is everyone realizes that, even if it's a well-funded startup, you still need to be budget conscious because mm-hmm. that's going to just increase the runway for all of our roles until, you know, until the breakthrough happens. Yeah. So, right. mm-hmm. uh, so if we can be more budget conscious here, like, so getting people to, you know, on the same, and it, and it made their life easier too. So mm-hmm. I think that was also, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe a seemingly kind of silly example, but um, it definitely resonated with me that I really like to do this type of thing. And and that's sort of that operations piece that, you know, I got that experience doing and realizing that I enjoyed. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've done similar with, um, you know, you think about how can we make the complex simple or Mm -hmm. and 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 give people some um, reassurance along the way that you're taking them into consideration and you're making decisions for specific reasons. Mm. 
Yeah. A number of jobs ago, I was working in a, a medical clinic setting where, you know, so many people are in offices um, or in, or in, you know, a laboratory setting, like you're talking about. And um, in, in those sort of settings, it's a really rich environment for musculoskeletal um, injuries and illnesses Mm -hmm. with regard to, you know, neck, shoulder, arm, hand, um, all that ergonomic stuff. And as I was uh, you know, looking around at all these workstations at all these different locations across the company, I was noticing like, gosh, it was just this mishmash of different kinds of office chairs and different kinds of equipment. And I'm like, where is all this stuff coming from? Mm. You know, and asking the questions like, you know, some people have something super nice. Some people have something that looks nice, but isn't like ergonomically you know, well-designed. Some people have, are sitting on things or using equipment that are duct taped together, <laughs> you know? Right. And so I'm like, how did this come to be? You know? And the answer was, well, just various managers sort of guessed, like they have their budget and they just mm-hmm. sort of guessed what they should buy and nobody really knew. Right. And, um, I went to the, the CFO I said, listen, I'm dealing with all these ergonomic things all the time. Um, I want to be able to order specific items to do ergonomic improvements to all these workstations. And I want to know what my budget is. And so he's like, well, can you do some research for me? Just like, what's the most expensive thing? I'm like, well, chair is the most expensive. And he's like, can you get me some numbers on what, what's the minimum it would take? Mm -hmm. And so I did and worked with a company and then um, picked out a lot of like just office chairs that would do the job. Mm-hmm. And then I had all of them as samples brought to the mothership clinic location, put them in a particular room and had a week where people could vote on their favorites. Mm-hmm. So they'd come into this room, they'd sit on all these chairs, they'd try them all out. And then I had a ballot box. And out of that, I narrowed it down to top three that would work for like tall people, short people, you know, Mm, if they want, uh you know, and, um, and those became the three Uh that we, that everybody ordered from. So the employees still had agency to make their own choice. Right. But it fit within the budget that the CFO wanted. Uh (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. (laughs) Like, you know, it was a simple system, but gosh, it worked beautifully. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I I did it even similar even more simple system for safety glasses and just, you know, the Plano safety glasses, if they're not comfortable, no one's going to wear them, but it's hard to tell when you just open up a catalog, you know, which one, and it's not always a one size fits all. So it was getting a bunch of samples, you know, try them on, which one do you like, you know, and trying to hone in on that. So Mm -hmm. you could kind Mm -hmm. of like put that process in place that it's like you say, here's the three chairs you have to choose from. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. 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 And your, in your work doing um, systems is like incredibly more complex uh-huh. when you're working with labs. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what else Jen would you like to share with, uh, with our audience? So I think just it's it's really again the the topic of the podcast and just thinking about the accidental safety pro is just to remember that you don't have to have that straight line to a career in safety mm-hmm. and but it's 
I think just getting, um, getting the word out there that it's actually a career and it's Mm -hmm. a really rewarding career. And, um, even there's ways to specialize, uh, you know, for example, you know, becoming an industrial hygienist and, you know, that's a field that's really waning and there's, you know, not as many people going into industrial hygiene. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how we can get the word out there that safety is a career path, um, that, that people should consider. Do you have any ideas on how we should be getting that word out, you know, as a, yeah, as a group? I think more in the educational system and just, you know, at the college level, having these various occupational um, health and safety programs. Um, We started, you know, at Safety Partners, we've done various guest lecturing um, at some various institutions, you know, go in for a a one night kind of lecture just to talk about, um, careers in safety. And I think doing more of that outreach is also helpful because again, as you, you know, have someone and maybe they're studying biology or some other STEM field and, um, and, and thinking just all these traditional roots of how they could, uh, use that education, you know, they don't think of safety. So I think yeah. having that at the college level, when people are, you know, trying to decide a career path, um, mm. is helpful. You know, that's a really good call to action for any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I've spoken about safety career in a construction management degree program, but that's Mm -hmm. obvious, you Mm -hmm. know, like that's an obvious one. Right. And I've spoken at um, a STEM conference for young girls Mm -hmm. about it. Um, But gosh, for any of us who have a college that we went to, understanding that so many of us maybe have an undergrad degree that, like you said, is in biology or something Mm -hmm ancillary to science right um i mean to safety rather Uh yeah we could reach i could reach back to my university and my 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 bachelor's degrees in community health education Uh and i had one safety class like why am i not going to that degree program at that campus and saying hey right right so yeah thanks that's a good that's good motivation good inspiration oh good i know we've Mm -hmm. also used the opportunity to speak at various postdoc associations so again this is you know safety partners really focuses in the life sciences so as we look at um postdocs deciding do they want to run an academic lab or do they want to pivot and what's next, mm-hmm. you know, pivoting into safety and how, again, we can provide that education of what a career in safety could look like mm-hmm. um, has also been a really good avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea. Great idea. Good advice. Yeah. Jen, anything else that you'd like to um, share with our audience um, as we close out our time today? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I've just really enjoyed our conversation and, um, you know, think this is a phenomenal podcast that you've put together. Oh, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for coming, um, coming here today and sharing, sharing your wisdom and leadership and, uh, some inspiration. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for spending your time listening today. And more importantly, thank you for your contribution toward the common good, making sure your workers, including your temporary workers, make it home safe every day.
If you aren't subscribed and want to hear past and future episodes, you can subscribe in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any other podcast player that you'd like. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review us on iTunes. It really helps us connect the show with more and more safety and health professionals like Jen and I. Special thanks to Naeem Jaraisi, our podcast producer. And until next time, thanks for listening.